This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's time for Film Study Baltimore with the man, Kim McCusick, from Film Study Baltimore. He joins us courtesy of the WGK Law Guest Hotline. What's going on, Ken? Hey, Rob. Looks good. Hey, man. It's 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 good altogether. So much going on. Football, Orioles still alive in the playoffs. Nothing to complain about right now. Now, uh, many people have, we talked about this earlier the criticism of Lamar, the interception was a horrible decision, horrible throw, but there also were seven drop passes in that game. Pro Football Focus rated him the top-rated quarterback for Week Five at ninety-four point six. Where do you put Lamar's overall performance from Sunday? I thought he was really good. Um, the, the, you mentioned the one truly awful throw. I thought OBJ did really nothing to, to play defense on that interception, which was which was bad. Um, he had an absurd set of uh, high-value drops. Everybody, I think, saw that in terms of what was going on. The, the fall-down play um, from Flowers, where he was behind the defense, I think is really a tracking issue, but he's got to keep his feet there. I saw some of the drift that's been uh, Ryan Mink has been publishing today. There, there is some question as to whether or not he would have caught the ball. The ball's a little thrown a little behind him, but still, there's a lot of yards left on the field. I think we can all agree on that by the by the receivers specifically in this game. I thought ball placement was excellent. Uh, he did okay with his opportunity set uh, in terms of the pocket. It's very similar to Pickett's uh, in that uh, way, and you know he continued to run the ball effectively. So I don't I don't know much what we want much more than Lamar in a game. I'm gonna just switch to defense for a second because I'm just curious what you thought about. Um... Williams, who looked like he was playing hurt, his the pec injuries affecting him, and should Marlin have been, you know, back that quickly? So yeah, all, all the four guys who returned early unfortunately had a hand in the loss, and and none of them really played well. Humphrey got beat on the game-winning touchdown by Pickens, as, as you mentioned, and Williams looked like he's playing with one arm. And when you think about it, Williams is pushing out a player who's played very well in terms of Geno Stone plays a back end well, plays that free safety role, and, and unfortunately uh, that might have been a bad trade yesterday because Williams didn't look very good uh, the way he's moving around the field and, and uh, having difficulty making tackles. Hey, as you look at, I mean, you talked about the players returning, not looking all that well. Um, what did you think about the O-line more importantly? I, I know you mentioned Ronnie Stanley, but what did you see from them? 
you know, offensive line as a whole was not particularly great, but Stanley was was bad. Um, he had a lot of trouble with Highsmith, and it was almost all him. I, I didn't see him get beat by anybody else, but four pressures, a quarterback hit, one sack, and it's actually parts of five and, and two half quarterback hits in there as well. Lamar ran him out of two additional pressures beyond those. Um, and so that, that was additional points he would have lost. Uh, uh, he was fairly far short of passing about .06, even after I adjust, so it, it, it you know it was almost a fall off the table game when you really look at the, the two additional um, pressures he might have allowed. He's mirroring pretty well, but the problem is that he still is giving a lot of ground to do it, and he's he's backing right up into the quarterback on on a lot of plays. And uh, boy, these next few games are going to be really important to see what Ronnie Stanley has left at this point because 2024 is not a guarantee at this point. Ken McCusick joins us from Study Baltimore. A lot of fans are happy to hear that. Uh, Ken, I noticed right now with Mike McDonald, this this defense is is keeping it real simple. Eighty three percent of the downs were just a four man rush. Yeah, they continue to do that, and and they've gotten pretty good pressure. I mean, it's, a, it's actually a very similar uh, set of opportunities for both the Steelers and the, and the Ravens in this, which means the Ravens were good. They got forty five percent pressure in this game and and did pretty well holding Pickett down on those plays. Uh, they're playing primarily cover two to start. Now, you can do a lot of things out of that, but they're showing two deep safeties to start most plays. And, you know, it was funny, except it wasn't, <laughs> that, that they were playing cover two really all the way up to the very last play that was meaningful for Pittsburgh, which was the 41-yard touchdown pass. And then they came up with Williams at the line of scrimmage, rushing the passer with six. It got away from, from what they did well. And, of course, Humphrey then gets beat by being left on an island with Pickens. I uh, don't know if you guys caught it, though. Pickens really shouldn't have gone in the end zone there. This is, that's a play where Pickens has to go down inside the five-yard line. That information's not in the huddle. That's a problem that, that the Steelers have. But I was very happy when I saw it at the bar we were at. <laughs> On bright notes, I mean, it was, I think it was one of the worst losses I've seen since they gave the game away. But Roquan, he just continues to me. He just He's outstanding every, every time I see him play, and I think he really just ignites that defense. Yeah, he's, he's the glue that holds it together in a lot of ways, dominates the middle of the field uh, in, a, in, in multiple ways. He, he, he contributes to pass coverage, obviously, between his levels two and three to take away easy play-action throws. He's a great downhill player on shorter passes, so you don't see a lot of yak given up on those three- and four-yard plays, reacts to that ball really quickly. He's there, hits, sometimes gets a PD out of it, but but takes him down for a quick tackle. And he, he makes McDonald feel comfortable playing nickel versus 12 and a, and a lot of teams you know they put that second tight end in there and they might flex them or they might line them up in line if they line them up in line then they've got an additional advantage uh to try and block against your your, your smaller box of players but with hamilton in there that's another big body on the field another good tackler and that will really come important uh, this week against tennessee who plays a lot of 12 and and we'll see if the ravens are willing to play hamilton at that nickel spot again uh, when when that personnel group shows up. Kim, what about the mistake before the half? We've gotten the reason why everything went wrong. I still don't understand. Um, I, I get getting a first down and taking a shot at the end zone, but if it was going to look anything like the pass at the end of the game, <laughs> then then why? But uh, I, you know, there's we've had two losses now with Indy and and now this one where it felt like the game was kind of in hand that you were going to have it wrapped up. I mean, you totally outplayed the Steelers and. You wind up with a loss. Uh, how frustrating is that? And did you kind of notice the same things, or what were your feelings uh, with the field goal not taken before the half? 
Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that they actually snapped the ball, and and I, I I didn't actually hear the from the from the presser yesterday whether it was Linderbaum snapping the ball because he saw the the jump off sides. Yeah, he thought he, he jumped off sides. That's why he snapped yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you know I guess that's understandable, but you probably have to have a no snap call there, and have to have the guard flinch, and if you get penalized five yards, that doesn't cost you the field goal. That just makes it forty-seven instead of forty-two, which you know probably reduces your chance by a couple percent, but it doesn't it doesn't change the whole story there. So it's a that was a situation where Linderbaum can't take that into his own hands. Well, it was also a situation where you got to protect your players from themselves and uh, not be put them on a lot of scrimmage. Speaking of which, I want to ask you about the offensive line play overall. You addressed that. You addressed Ronnie Stanley as well. Lots of injuries. What's the deal with the offensive line? I'll get that answer for you on the other side. As uh, we hit talk film study right now with Kim McLaughlin, he's not going anywhere. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. And no, we don't have a new guest. Oh, Joe didn't pull the clip. No, he didn't pull the clip. Ken McLaughlin joining yeah, us? Yeah, yeah, former, def, former defensive lineman for the Oakland <laughs> Raiders. is not joining us. <laughs> he is not joining us. It's Ken McCusick from Film Study Baltimore. <laughs> Sorry about that, Ken. No, no problem, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ken, looking at this offensive line overall, it seems like every game somebody's leaving with an injury. It's not just Ronnie Stanley. Your thoughts on this offensive alignment? And can they hold up? We're five games into this thing, man. Can they hold up 13 more? I mean, uh, 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 you know, 12 more games. I, I think it's a big question. I think if the if the Ravens are to make a big move right now, I'd want it to be a guy who could play left tackle. Uh, would, would be probably the, the, the best way they can address this team right now. But they've got now three tackles. None of them are playing particularly well. McCary, who got hurt. Uh, you know, was was a C in in this game, a, a up and down game against T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt. They gave him a lot of help in that uh, game, and still he had difficulty. Falaleli was terrible in his very brief time out there. Uh, two half shares of sacks in a, in a relatively small amount of time. Though I will say, Justice Hill whiffed like you almost could never whiff on a, on a chip block that allowed that last sack. So, you know, I think the, I think the Ravens have to seriously consider right now whether they go out and get an offensive tackle and what exactly they're willing to give up to do it. Uh, part of, of getting a guy now would be thinking about a Roquan Smith-type deal where they could sign him next year probably, and, and I think it has to be a guy who can play left tackle at this point. Somebody that gets forgotten about because of the position is Pat Ricard. I've been watching the last couple of weeks, and he's sprung some nice runs. He's actually used very good pass protection, I think. What do you make of his performance? I, I'm sorry. Who did you say there? Pat, Pat Ricard. Say, Pat Ricard. Yes. No. He's played well. Um, I, big contribution as a pass blocker in this game. I had that holding call, which is very important, unfortunately, and that's something that's going to be remembered. But he's also one of the guys they were they were counting on to get square up against T.J. Watt first, 
before they would leave him for either McCary or Falalele behind him. And uh, it did a real good job of that, honestly. Been a good run blocker his whole career, still is doing that well. And it was a little surprising to see him be as much of a of a component of the Monken offense as he has been so far. Yeah, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this, Ken, about how different the offense looks this year as opposed to last year. I've seen so many commentators and talking heads say it looks just like last year's offense. I see a bunch of differences. Do you see the same thing? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they don't play nearly as much two men in the backfield as they did. They play more under center. They play more spread. They, there's, there's a ton of differences. It, but but is they have kept important components of the Roman offense, which is a good thing. You still have a lot of two-man counters that are leading the deception on the team. Uh, they, they have, a you know, still run a lot of the same read option, uh, just not as much, you know, in, right in front of Lamar, generally out of sidecar. Um, so there are lots of elements. They, they didn't throw away the whole run game, and it's a damn good thing they didn't because that run game was not broken. So what was really broken is is not challenging the fir- field vertically, and they've done a better job of that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm very I'm very uh, pro uh, Monken at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm pro Monken as well. Uh, here with Ken McCusick from Film Study Baltimore. Ken, as you're watching film for this team, and I know you're, you're watching it more than once, uh, I want you to, to complete this. If the Ravens don't fix this, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, I think if, if the Ravens don't fix their tackle play, it's going to be a long season. So I guess we've gone over this some in, in, in just the last couple of minutes. Uh, they, they, they have to figure that out. And, and this is looking a lot in terms of the tackle play, like we're getting a repeat of 2021. So Ronnie Stanley, you know, we often say this in business, hope is not a strategy, but that may be the only strategy that's left to the to the Ravens this year is to hope Ronnie Stanley can can right the ship and play well because so far he really hasn't. What do you think right now as we sit, you know, after week five? Uh, my, I, think, I thought they should have been five and zero, oh, and this I don't think I'm being a homer here. They really blew the Colts game. I think this one was given away. How do they sit now that this, you know, just right in the middle of it now, the Steelers are three and two with a win over them? I mean, I don't really think that that they should fear their position in the in the um, AFC North race against the Steelers, or frankly, in the AFC North race at all. I think they can they can right the ship and and win the North with the with the three home games they still have left uh, against the division. I think there's some question as to where they stand in terms of the the other teams that are likely to make the playoffs. And whether or not they have enough to win, and whether or not they can stand up to teams that really have a good pass rush regularly, and um, you know, I, I think w- what I've seen in terms of creativity the last the last couple of weeks to try and slow down opposing pass rushes that were just too good for their offensive tackles is actually quite positive. That you know, they they got good games out of Lamar really twice in a row, even though it didn't show up statistically this week, um, uh, with pass rushes that basically ate them alive during the game. So I at least had to take something positive out of that. But I don't, I don't really have any fear in terms of the division at this point. One of the things I read online is that OBJ play that Joey Porter Jr. told him to go home and be a family man. It's time now. Um, have you seen like, – I know it, he just came back, but what have you seen from Odell Beckham? Does, does, I know like when we talk about the type of money he's getting paid, people are going to look at that and say, no, the value's not there, but they overpaid for a receiver to bring him in. Do you see him as a difference maker in this offense? No. No, I really don't. I think I think Bateman is still probably the guy who has a chance to turn it around and really be a top receiver. Beckham, there's a cap on how good he's going to be. Um, even if he's forced into a more prominent role, which would be a very bad thing 
if if he was forced to be the X receiver and they, they either lost trust in Bateman due to ineffectiveness or he's lost again due to injury. Either of those be, be just awful for the Ravens. But Bateman is the guy who who has far more upside than what we've seen so far in, in, in this season. I think Flowers will be back and, and he'll be the Ravens' number one receiver in, in terms of most important statistics. But Bateman is the guy that I hope really turns it around. Yeah, I was, it was very disappointing to see him uh, in, in the performance or lack thereof so far. Yeah. Kim McCusick, tell us all about Film Study Baltimore. Yep, so filmstudybaltimore.com is my website where I have all my podcasts, and you can get them also on the on the other major uh, uh, podcast platforms and whatnot. I'll just say the big topic this weekend is how the secondary had to be restructured with Williams and Humphrey, and I go into a long discussion of that on the defensive pod. Thank you very much, Ken. We'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, right. Ken. 410-583-1057. That's the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. O's face elimination tonight. How confident you are? Are you in Dean Kramer? We'll talk about that at 9 o'clock. But before then, Mike Bordick joins us at 845. But on the other side, Jeremy Conn, it's your world. Yeah, we're going to get into the world of stupid. We're going to talk about parents who confronted a naked man at a JCPenney. And yes, there are still JCPenney's. Uh, and we're going to get into a woman with a beard. I'm not talking about a little bit of scruff. I'm talking, her beard's better than mine. See what you guys think about her. Her boyfriend likes it. If you don't, so what? We're going to talk about it in the world of stupid here on The Fan. All right, I want to start off with this. I'm not going to get into this. Start off with it. Shut up. That's kind of hard to do. F1 driver Esteban Ocon. I think that's Osan Ocon. He threw up in his helmet on lap 15 of 57 yesterday in Qatar. Cutter. Was he driving? He's an F1. Okay. Uh, Temperatures inside his car reached 170 degrees Fahrenheit. He still finished seventh. I just want to bring this up. I'm not calling it stupid or anything. My buddies are huge F1 fans. I have not gotten into the sport. They say it's one of the greatest things to watch, but good God, man. Throwing up in your helmet lap seven or 15 of 57, and he still finished seventh. 170 degrees in the car? I can't believe that. That's ridiculous. I mean, this is man. like, I know they're trying to, because there's a lot of money there. So they have all these, they draw big sporting events. They bring the grappling F1. Mm-hmm. But, but the Olympics, I mean, the weather is not conducive for this. No, it's dangerous for people. Absolutely. All right, how about this? Church leader arrested for selling miracle, uh, miracle cure to followers. Turns out it was bleach. I, it, this amazes me how people can fall for some of this stuff and buying things, end mm-hmm. of the world stuff. At some point, somebody's going to be right. They haven't yet. They've right. all been lying to you. And I think the first time somebody gets it right, they're probably lying to you and get lucky. Uh, a Florida man and his three adult sons have been sentenced for selling a toxic industrial bleach as a fake COVID-19 cure through their online church. Mark Brennan, the father, 66, the son, Joseph, 36, each received five years, while Jonathan, 37, and Jordan, 29, were sentenced to up to 12 years behind bars. Mm. The Grennans pitched their so-called miracle mineral solution as a cure for 95% of known diseases, including COVID-19, Alzheimer's, autism, AIDS, mm. and MS. Just the worst people in the world, This man. is ridiculous. That's why when I'm pastor, I'm never letting things like this happen in my congregation. You're going to sell other stuff? No, not doing anything. I'm not selling anything. Mm-hmm. It's free. You're selling BS to anybody in your flock. It's free. <laughs> Rob the pastor. All right. How about this? When's the last time you've been in a JCPenney? <laughs> been a while, right? Yeah. Used to be one at the White Marsh Mall. It's been a while since they've been There's around. There's one in Westminster well, Mall. You don't. Gone. Is it? Is it still there? I don't. Or JC Penney's in all malls. I don't know why you're acting like they're like. Yeah, I might. 
I, that's why I'm looking at you like that. They see pennies haven't gone away. When was the last time you're in one, though? I don't know if I've ever been in one. <laughs> yeah, that's what but, I mean. But he well, said, but he said, I thought they were. They still. I'm. I'm kind of alluding to what he. I'm kind of asking what he alluded to doing a tease, like they don't exist anymore. So this is what they ran into. Is this naked guy? I don't. I can't tell if he's wearing just socks or shoes and socks because that's not how you get dressed. <laughs> it's just not. I've tried it. You don't put your shoes on before you put the rest of the stuff on. But well, he that's why you put anything else on. Yeah. Well, and look, this is kind of a scary situation, but I'm going to make fun of the naked guy. Just because he's naked doesn't mean you want to walk around without shoes. Well, he was inappropriately trying to touch children in Seattle. Yeah, that's not cool. Yeah. That part's not cool. The man is attempting to evade people, chasing him wearing nothing but socks after he was allegedly holding on to two children. Uh, described the naked man as someone in a mental crisis. And uh-huh. then, of course, the fights break out, which... Obviously, if someone grabs someone's kids, and yeah, like if, you're, you're, I don't care if he's naked or not, you're going to go run after the guy. But this guy started brawling with everyone. And then I guess he found some pants in the store and decided to put those on. He was definitely having a mental breakdown, but people were hitting each other over the head with all whatever they could find in this J.C. Penny. Wow. And you guys have seen some naked dudes. We talk about this all the time. Like, nobody wants to arrest a naked guy, but it happens. It happens. Yeah. It happens. I'm just fascinated how many people just decide to take their clothes off and do things in public. I mean, if it was a mental break, who knows? I, I don't want to hear that stuff. Why? Touching kids? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the reason he's naked. Like, there's, like, I, the, I don't care about your mental break. You start touching kids. Like, yeah, I don't have time for that. Yeah, me either. All right. Last there's certain things to me that are never funny. No. Mm-hmm. When it involves children, it's never funny. I'm a woman with a beard. Strangers call me dirty. I'm glad you admit this. It's about time. <laughs> Here, let me let me give you the whole thing so that, that way Joe can save this and isolate it. I'm a woman with a beard. Strangers call me dirty, but I love my hairy face, and so does my boyfriend. There you go, Joe. You got the whole thing. That's right. I just I want to show you a picture of her first. Okay, let's get the reaction. Because that's a full beard, fellas. Nah, this, this, <laughs> nah Ed, bro. That's not scruff. Oh. All right, let me give you the Sophie's choice. The old lady from last week or the lady with the beard? Old lady. I'm going lady with the beard. Not in a million years. Yeah. I'm, no. Yeah. But you're used to that, so it's different. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying my wife has a beard? No. No, you just like people with beards. That's what he's saying. <laughs> First off, I mean, that's a full beard. Full on. And, and I got to say this, in her defense, that would be a bitch to keep up with, right? I mean, that thing's got to grow faster than mine. She's got a couple gray hairs in there, too. That's yeah, what she turn looked like. again. This is what turn she looked again. like before the beard, okay? No, let me see the beard. Oh. That's what she looked like before the beard, Ed. No, that's that, the beard. Did that change that's your mind? Beard. No. Before the beard. It's still oh, the beard. Hold on. It switched on me, guys. Oh, there, there's without the beard. Can you see it? Yeah. And that's with the beard. Wow. Decisions, decisions. That poor thing. Decisions, decisions. It's got to be a rough way to go through life, right? Oh. Because you ever see a girl that's like, you see her like playing with her face or something, and then she realizes she got a stray hair there, and she got one she got to pluck, whether it's on the mustache or the chin. Well, hey, but here's the thing, though, Ed. Maybe with the beard, at least she has something. Because before the beard, ain't nothing there. What? She could buy a hat and have something. Least, I don't know if you really want a full beard. At least, <laughs> like, at least the beard gives us something. Did you, yeah, gives us something. Did you guys see the picture of her boyfriend? Do you want to see that? Because you know a you want to see secondary male sexual characteristics is what it gave her. It looks like she's dating a young Ken Wyman. 
Let me I see. Just, <laughs> Joe, you want to look around? Look at Joe. Come on. <laughs> Guess who I'm tagging on social media right now? You know what? The word beard is right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Kenny. Hey, Violet. Did you use my Kenny. razor? Kenny. <laughs> Kenny. That does look like a young Ken Wyman in a Deadpool t-shirt. But yeah, she said it's been a very painful, uh, physically and emotionally a difficult on her, this, this whole journey with the beard. But like, I, I, you've, we've seen this. Usually you see it with a lot of older women that just say, hey, I don't care anymore. I'm just letting it grow. But I, I've seen some women that have issues with stubble, and then they take care of it on a daily basis. But that's just rough. Rough. <laughs> so anyway, that's your world of stupid. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Come on, 410-583-1057. That's the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Dodgers down 0-2. Braves tied up last night. The uh, um, Houston Astros are in a tie with the Minnesota Twins and the Orioles try to stave elimination tonight. We're talking baseball up next with Mike Bordick from Baltimore Baseball Tonight on the Fan. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the Fan. Birds getting ready for game three of the ALDS tonight. Facing elimination. Dean Kramer on the mound joining us right now from Baltimore Baseball Tonight, former Baltimore Oriole. Mike Bordick, what's going on, Mike? Hey, Rob. Good morning, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. The Orioles, uh, what they perceive as their best two starters available, started games one and two, and the Orioles are down 0-2. What's your confidence level tonight facing elimination with Dean Kramer on the bump? I'm, I'm confident. I really am. And I think uh, on a couple fronts. I, I think Kramer's risen to the occasion for us all season long. Uh, right when we think he's down and out, right when we start questioning Dean Kramer, he steps up and, and throws an A game and then goes on a nice little run with uh, consistency. I, I do know there's danger throughout this Rangers lineup, um, but but I think Kramer's the right guy right now. I, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion uh, involved on many fronts for Dean Kramer, and, and I think he pitches well with emotion. And he's got a little extra, obviously, being in postseason. And obviously what's going on for him. So he's pitching uh, not only for the Orioles, I think, but for his country. Um, so uh, he's inspired um, in many ways tonight, and I expect him to throw very well. You want as many of you big bats in as possible. And is there a dilemma between first base and right field? Um, if I had Aaron Hicks playing, you want Santander in the lineup. Do you put him in right field? Do you put him in first base? Do you include O'Hearn? Do you have Mountcastle sit, or do you have some combination of this? <laughs> well, you need all your bats. It's, it's all hands on deck, man. Can we so put when 10 the, in the lineup? Computer, yeah, what's that? Can we put 10 in the lineup? No? Yeah, if you could. I, you know, I, I think when the computer spits out the matchups, uh, Brandon Hyde will put his uh, most formidable lineup out there that, you know, is going to have the ability to get on base, get hits. Um, obviously, we've got power bats in there as well. There are a couple slumping Orioles that we might be surprised that are on the bench tonight. Um, but, yeah, they they got to make an impact. I mean, this is it, right? So it's do or die now. Um, so they'll get this game under their belt, and hopefully that will help everybody to relax uh, some. Uh, listen, the past, uh, 
I don't know, I guess four games it seems the Orioles have played haven't been their best games. So I, one good game I think will help get them back on track and, and, and finish the way they're supposed to. Well, give me your thoughts on Nathan Avaldi because, like, all right, so when we talk about this guy, came back from injury, did not look good, um, especially in the month of September, and you're talking about a guy who came out against the Rays, and they had opportunities, but they just didn't take advantage of it. He seemed to get the double play when he needs it, and, like, I'm just going all the way back to the beginning of September. He, I mean, he was, he'd was he been terrible, an ERA over six, barely getting into to the fifth in some games, um, yeah. I, and he flipped the switch in the postseason. What are you expecting from him tonight? Yeah, much of the same I think you saw with the Rays. If he is successful, it'll be just like living on the edge. I think double play or two will bail him out of the time he's in this game. Um, he, to me, kind of defines the Rangers right now. I mean, from a pitching standpoint. I mean, it just seems like they are hanging on by a thread. Uh, you talk, I thought the Orioles were the cardiac kids. The Rangers, just the way they play, they depend on their offense so much. And if a couple guys go cold in there, um, you know, we've seen them lose nine games in a row, lose eight games in a row. I mean, this Rangers team is, is uh, it's a head-scratcher because the first half of the season, the first couple months, you thought, oh, my gosh, they made the right moves, they pushed the right buttons, and they are just going to roll through it. And then they started to be just a 500 team with incredible inconsistencies. And I think as soon as you hit them in the mouth, and hopefully tonight's the night, well, it's got to be, tonight it'll set them back and the Orioles will be able to take advantage of it and bring it back home. Absolutely. Here with Mike Bordick. Mike Bordick joining us from Baltimore Baseball tonight. Mike, you uh, looking at this ball club, you talked about it being, you know, last four games not that great. The best offensive output of the last four games was on Sunday um, mm. That clubhouse was very quiet Sunday. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't take it as them being locked or tight because they're facing elimination more so than. I mean, you've been there before. You you had a little momentum at the end of a game, even that you lost, and and maybe you got a little bit more confidence. I, I, this club looked like they were a little bit uh, hungrier at the end of game two than they was even at the beginning of game one. Well, let's hope, and and I think. Uh... That's what happens. I mean, you got this personal confrontation, I think, each guy individually on on what is looming right here. I mean, they've had such a historic and fun season, and, and all of a sudden they've been put on their heels and feel probably like they haven't felt all season long. And I, I think they'll be able to rally. I think they understand that, oh, my gosh, how can they all of a sudden our historic season, the season that we've had so much fun with, where it just seems like everything is, lined up a destiny for for this squad how can we be on the brink of elimination and i think they will kind of rally around that and, and i think uh, come out ready to play tonight but, you know a lot of things happen i think behind the scenes rob you may know now more a little bit more uh because you uh, obviously are exposed more to the game um and, and the travel and things like that but this young team just tasted something they never have before and not only the experience of playing a postseason game but what comes with it all of a sudden your third cousin calls for more tickets all of a sudden your aunt mm-hmm. that you never heard from calls for a hotel room now you need to approach the traveling secretary for 30 tickets a couple hotel rooms what are we going to do you got to visit you haven't seen anybody in years and it just throws guys uh, way off it's one of the hardest things to control 
I think, in the postseason is how you manage your time and keep a game focused when there are just so many incredible distractions. And that's without talking about the media that goes with it. You are constantly being pulled at. The Orioles are learning this and hopefully getting away from Camden where there was so much attention on the Cinderella story They'll be able to regroup in Texas and take advantage of it because now Texas has to go through that same stuff. They haven't been home for a week. Mike, do you need what? tickets? I mean, we, Rob can get you tickets if you need tickets. <laughs> yeah, he's been getting them for everybody. People have been them in the club level. It's great. You can definitely get your shirts. <laughs> yeah. He's got about 65 right. of them now. Um, exactly. That said, with the record the Orioles have, they're a better road team than a home team. You mentioned yeah. all the pressure there is at home. You say regroup. Could it actually be better than regrouping? Could it be beneficial for them to be on the road and be away from this town? It really could. And and that's the hope. And that's our last hope, if you ask me. Right? Uh, They play so well on the road. They'll be more comfortable and at ease, I think. The pressure is now on Texas to close this out. After all, Texas has gone through. Texas is hoping one swing of the bat in the first inning will help ease them, will help all of a sudden their offense get comfortable. We'll help take the pressure off because now they think that the Orioles will fold a little bit. We'll be a little bit le- um, you know, least, less likely to come back on them like they did um, in Sunday's game. So that's the Rangers' hope. So the Orioles have to be the first to strike and then just stay on them and be relentless with it. And, and, and I know it's easier said. Like, we all hope that is, is what happens. Uh, but – Listen, this team's got so much fight. They were in both games. I felt, honestly, I felt like they were going to win both games. The first game especially. But yesterday, the way they kept coming back, or Sunday, the way they kept coming back, I was like, it is unbelievable how much these guys have in them and how they've led us to think they can win every game and possibly every series. Hey, Mike, what do you think happens? All right, so we talk about getting in and getting back into the series. they got to win three in a row. Uh, to, to mm-hmm. move on, they've done it 16 times this year. What type of yeah. chance? It's very hard to do. And, and Texas is playing great baseball. What type of chance do you give them? Oh man, well I, I got to stay optimistic, right? Yeah. So I'm going to go over 50. percent I, I really am. I just, I just like I just said the last statement. It, it, they've given us so much hope and optimism for this year. We've seen them rally back. We've seen Kramer come back. We've seen all these guys bounce back and pick each other up, and that's why they're such a special team. I expect them to do the same right here. Mike Bardick, thanks a lot, my friend. Are you calling it? Uh, uh, are we going to be playing again tomorrow night? It's coming back here to Baltimore. That's my oh, call. I love it. I love it. We said the same thing a little bit earlier. Mike Bardick, Baltimore's baseball tonight. Thanks a lot, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. You yeah. Baltimore baseball tonight. Tonight at 6 o'clock right here on 105.7 The Fan. Jeremy Carr will tell you where to place a couple of dollars on a game tonight. He'll do that at 9.15. But on the other side, the Orioles facing elimination. Ed, yes. how confident are you in Dean Kramer? Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.